Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friend. Dana here. Welcome to Words That Move Me. I, as usual, (laughs) am stoked about this episode. Genuinely had a smile on my face the entire stinking time. I did this interview, and I still do. Can you hear it? Um. I think you will enjoy this episode too, particularly because today's guest is James Alsop. James is a choreographer and a teacher who knows the value of owning your truth, your self, your wholeness, and what can happen to your creative life when you do that. Um, She has created some seriously, like, earth-rattling work and doesn't show any signs of stopping. So it was very cool to get to link up with her on her one day off per week. I'm so grateful to have had this conversation and super excited to share it with you. In this episode, we talk about her gender-affirming transition, her thoughts on working in New York versus LA, and commercial work versus Broadway work. We also discuss the lessons she learned from Beyonce that have trickled out into her work and the way she leads a room. Um, Man, I'm so excited to get into it, but first, we do wins. Uh, Today, I am celebrating a simple but important win. I am celebrating a few back-to-back, actually three back-to-back home-cooked meals that I made. For myself. <laughs> um, if you know me very well, you know that my husband is the the uh, the culinary ingenue of the household. But let me tell you what, I got a cookbook, <laughs> and now I cannot be stopped. Unless the recipe calls for slow roasting something or slow cooking something, in which case I do stop. I'm a fan of fast. Uh, so those 30-minute quick dishes, I'm a beast. I'm feeling committed to eating healthy and eating from home, unless I have to be out in the world. Um, And man, it feels so good. I love it. Unpaid shout out. Just burped from my meal. (laughs) Unpaid shout out to Half-Baked Harvest um, cookbooks. There are more than one. And I honestly can't remember the name of the one that I bought. bought, But it'll be in my show notes. Um, It's the one with little raviolis on the front. What is it called? I don't know. It'll be in the show notes. It's delicious. Woohoo. Game changer. Food win. Nice. Now you go. What is going well in your world? What's going well in your food life? Uh, Tell me everything. Tell me about your wins. All right, my friend. Congratulations. Keep winning. I'm so proud of you. You got this. All right. Let's jump right into this, shall we? I know you're going to love this conversation with James Alsop because it is full of laughs 
and also solid gold nuggets, golden tidbits of insight into her life, her creative process, all of the good stuff. So get ready to learn and laugh. Uh, that really is what I'm all about, isn't it? Truly, like at the core, that's it for me. And this is it. So enjoy this conversation with James Alsop. My face already hurts from smiling, and we've we've only just done the pre-call. <laughs> James Alsop, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much hello, for being here. Hello, Thank you, thank you for having me, James. I love oh. you so much. Oh my gosh, the, the love is mutual. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm really glad um, that I can see your face. We had some technical issues, but you look stunning. Yeah. It's moments like this that... I wish the podcast was a visual format because I want the world to see you in all of your glory. Um, happy Sunday to you. How are you feeling? Incredible. It's because I finally had a day off. Right. So I got some sleep. So I'm like, I can pull it together. I can pull a look together from my Zana. Yes, you did, my friend. And I appreciate it. Um, okay. So it's tradition here on the podcast for all of my guests to introduce themselves which can be a daunting task unless you really like talking about yourself. Um, I don't know where you fall on that spectrum, but go ahead, take the floor. Tell us what you want us to know about you. Eek. Um, okay. Well, I'm James Alsop. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I am a nailless super fan of Dana Wilson, <laughs> who just so happens to be a choreographer. <laughs> I hope that 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 is the bio that reads on your website, my friend. <laughs> Big fan of Jada Wilson happens to choreograph of for like the biggest stars of all time, um, and currently working on some really exciting stuff that I'm stoked to get into. Um, okay, cool. Well, then let's let's do this because we have a lot to cover. Yeah. Yeah. I want to bounce back to. 2021 i don't remember what year it was let's be real time is an illusion um right. we ran into each other at the in the heights premiere in new york yes. and yes. i felt terribly in that moment because at first i did not recognize you um i think number one that's because you were wearing sunglasses that were reminiscent uh -huh. of like an astronaut yes. space helmet in there but also <laughs> Also, you have had a gender-affirming transition, and yes. I, I want to talk about that because when we first yes. met, I, I met yes. James in Los Angeles, James, he, him, and I'm wondering yes. if you could talk a little bit about that journey for you. It has been incredible uh, being finally living as myself and living my truth wholly, which I love. Also, I had just come from rehearsal. <laughs> And I was disgusting that day. I was covered from head to toe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so you were like, I, I didn't recognize me as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I was disgusting. I was actually hoping nobody recognized me. <laughs> but um, in 2016 is when I started my transition. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I had known since I was four years old. I literally used to go to my kindergarten class home base. And in the toy chest, there was this spaghetti strap sky blue dress. And I would put it on and I would wrap my head in a scarf and I would cook fake breakfast for the whole class on this little tyke's kitchen that would sizzle. 
Mm-hmm. But I did it because that's what I would see my mom do in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to be her. And it, I never, and I have an identical twin brother, mm-hmm. cisgender hetero twin. And I, I never wanted to be like him in that sense. Like I never felt like anything male, anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then um, my teacher pulled me aside and she said, you know, it's okay to be gay, but you don't have to put on the dress. Cause in 1988, 89, there's not a word for transgender then. Mm-hmm. So it was either gay or straight. And I was like, well, I know who the gay boys are, like, but I'm not them. I'm like Tasha and Danielle, and I'm one of the girls. <laughs> but I was told I was gay, so I was gay. And then when I really started to like really get into myself and understand myself and be really self-realized, it was like, well, when am I actually going to start living my truth? And so 2016 is when I really gave myself permission to be me. Mm-hmm. And that's when, and I never wanted to change my name because I've never felt different. I've mm-hmm. always felt like a woman. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, and I love the name James. It's kind of like a middle finger to societal constructs. What? Yes. <laughs> and, but I'm like, yeah, give it to me. So here we are finally in the real flesh. Here she is, darling. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for being here and for sharing this. Um, yes. I'm so curious about what role dance played in you finding, like you said, being in your skin, like being your truth, being you, was dance essential to that process for you? Was it coincidental? Do you think that this would have happened without dance? Do you think it would have taken longer? Do you think, like, what role did dance play in all of it? Dance, I think, was probably the biggest catalyst in me really fully realizing because I started to get pissed off. And I started to get pissed off because... Like when you're, what we called ourselves back then, myself and Johnny Rice, (laughs) we called ourselves the lady boys back then, prior to me transitioning. And Mm -hmm. we, it was always a special segment in somebody's dance piece where we come out and we just give the most super femme, hyper femme performance and everybody would love it and applaud it and cheer for it and then disappear. And okay, Mm -hmm. I was like, that's cool. But then nobody took us seriously in any other aspects of dance. Mm -hmm. And then I started realizing how women would be cheered and applauded and exalted for being able to dance like a man. But Mm -hmm. if a man danced too feminine, then they would kind of be scolded or looked at sideways or looked down Mm -hmm. on. And I'm like, that ain't cool. Uh Uh-huh, massive standard. Yes. And so, but then I also realized, well, my movement is just naturally effeminate. I I mean, I can't help it that I go through the drive-thru when I was like 14, 15, 16, and they would be like, ma'am. I was like, that is just my voice. That's without estrogen. Wow. (laughs) So I I couldn't help that. And then in the dance world, when, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really book as a dancer like that because I was so feminine. But then I was like, that, sorry, can I cuss? Oops. Yep. Screw that. (laughs) (laughs) Screw that. I need to be myself. I need to see myself. And so then that's when I was like, okay, I am this effeminate and that's because I am a woman. And so I'm going to live my life as such and stop trying to hide a part of me or trying to conform a part of me just uh-huh. to be something that I'm not. Uh-huh. And now I'm frightened to ask, but I think I know what the answer will be. What, was there a marked shift in your work at that time as well? Did you find yourself working more? Did you find yourself working less? Did you find yourself working more as a choreographer? Like in, yes. in, in owning your identity, did you also own your, your work? Was there more of it? Like did that, yes. did that mark a shift? 
it, it, there was a huge shift because I really, as soon as I started being truthful to myself, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was nonstop. And my first thing, more as a choreographer, because I had started as a choreographer in 2011, mm-hmm. pre-transition, but I was working with women. And it was all in the moments where these women were about empowerment. And I hate talking about myself in this regard, but my first music video that I ever choreographed was Run the World, Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And that was pre-transition, but I'm sitting here in my fully effeminate self, telling 200 women, 201, including her, do this choreography, feel this way, and tell own women it. it's okay, and own it. Mm-hmm. And that's Meanwhile. when it, that's when it happened. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, you weren't owning right. it. At all. Mm-hmm. But then I'm starting to see, okay, well, I'm, it's okay for me to be effeminate. But then I'm like, but I'm effeminate behind the scenes. So it still felt like I wasn't good enough because, not, not good enough, but you know what I mean. I'm not, not living whole. my truth because mm-hmm. not whole, because I'm okay to teach these people, but I'm not okay to be in front of these people to inspire the other Jameses of the world. And so then 2016 came along and it was, you know, name dropping again, sorry, Maya Rudolph. Mm-hmm. I did her variety show and she was the one who really encouraged me to be me. She was like, I don't give a f- what you wear. I don't care what you look like. Are you being true to yourself? Because I would tape the show or we would rehearse, we would tape the show mm-hmm. and I would present mail, but I would like be fully covered. I would cover my head. I would wear my shades the whole time. I have this little headscarf that all my friends hate that I'll never get rid of. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I would uh-huh. wear it the whole time. And then when we would rap, I would go and I would change and I would be in my hair and I would be a woman. I would be the woman that I am. And she was like, why do you do that? Why do you change? And I thought she was asking, why do I present female? And she was asking, why am I not being myself when I come in in the morning? Mm. And I was like, oh, oh my God, you can't, somebody cares. Mm. <laughs> somebody wants, and so to have that light switch flipped to know that it's okay, that was a huge part. And then when I tell you it was a snowball from there, child, I've been really thankful and grateful <laughs> ever since then. Incredible. Wow. Thank you for that, the, that kind of origin story and that very vulnerable peek into that switch, that moment where you felt yeah. empowered to commit to, to yourself, to show up for yourself in the biggest way you can. Um, and, and forgive me because I didn't say this at the beginning. I really wanted to, I will probably have some clumsy wording (laughs) in this conversation because I haven't, honestly, I haven't had, there aren't too, too very many, like I can definitely count on one hand, people close Mm -hmm. to me in my life that have gone through a gender affirming transition. And so Mm -hmm. I will probably say things wrong and I really hope I am not offensive. I'm just so grateful to have a friend like you who can help me learn and and understand what it means to be trans um, and what it it means to be trans in our industry, which specifically I think has a way of saying, we welcome everyone, right? Like we are all the voices, but you and I both know (laughs) that it is not that welcoming and that there are as many closed doors in your faces as there are, you know, open hands ready to shake your hands. So um, maybe, maybe that's a good segue. It might be kind of a burnt out topic, but I'm always fascinated to hear people's perspective because you've worked in LA and New York. I'm curious what your experience is as a trans person. Is there a difference? Do you feel more welcomed or more seen in one place or another? 
uh, I actually haven't really noticed that big of a difference mm -hmm. between LA and New York with, with my experience mm -hmm. in being trans. I Everybody has come in or met me with open arms and being beautifully accepting, not that I need acceptance, but understanding at least and respectful. Mm -hmm. I haven't really had any hiccups. And also when it comes to like the slip ups, when it comes to pronouns, that makes me feel normal. I, wow. Like, I feel like if you try so hard to be like, if you try so hard mm -hmm. to be, you know, super respectful, it kind of others the other person. As opposed to, you can be in conversation with somebody. I talk to my brother and I'm talking to my sister and I'll call my sister he and I'll call him she just by accident. It's a slip up. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> so I'm like, that's a sense of normalcy that I yes. love. I mean, oh. if the effort if the effort is there, then I get it. And if I feel respected, then child, we good to go. It's, oh, if I'm not transitioning for anybody else. I'm transitioning for me. So I'm comfortable in my skin. <laughs> Thank you for that permission and that reminder that like we are all humans and as yes. as part of that plan, part of that deal, we will mess up. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm not perfect. Hard to believe I'm not perfect. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. You wouldn't guess it Just by kidding. looking. Just kidding. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about that that path to perfection then. In the past month, we've been talking about mastery on the podcast yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm fascinated with process in general, but mm -hmm. specifically mm -hmm. of people who get to be so good at something that they can do it without thinking or they can do it while they're doing something else or they can, um, you know, they, it's something they do so regularly that it becomes mundane. Like it becomes like par for the course. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh yes, of course I'm choreographing. I'm going to the Warner Brothers lot today because this is what I do. Of course I'm choreographing Broadway shows because this is what I do. Like that that level of attaining a thing is, I think, reserved for people that most of us call masters. Um, I'm wondering Ugh. if you would call yourself a master choreographer. Oh my gosh, your face! Oh my gosh, your face! <laughs> Absolutely not. I could never. I'm, my palms are sweating at the just at the just at the introduction of the word. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, we just we, uh, talking about myself again. Yuck! Sorry. It's well. It's it's the nature of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in New York City because we are finally in rehearsals for the Devil Wears Prada, the musical, mm -hmm. which I'm choreographing. And my first day here was this past Thursday. And when I tell you I was on a red eye from LA to New York and I just burst into tears, I started crying and it started off like tears of joy uh -huh. and then it became tears of uh -huh. anxiety. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, I know <laughs> those I'm tears. Like, uh -huh. Oh my God, we're, we're going, I'm, this is my first foray into the Broadway world. Mm -hmm. Like why me? I went, through, I went through that small phase of why me? Am mm -hmm. I the person for the job? What am I doing? And then I get into the room and I'm like, oh, is my choreography going to be good enough? I don't know. Let me just start teaching. And I just surrendered to my gift. Mm. I literally just surrendered to the gift. I was like, well, I got the job. So I guess I'm right for the job. I can't run around these streets saying things that are happen the way they're meant to happen and then not believe it and doubt myself. So let me just surrender to this gift, live in the moment. And whatever happens is supposed to happen. And it's going on that stage, whether it be good or not. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. I, I don't mean to add to your anxiety by saying this, but I do think, and, and I have past podcast episodes to back me up on this. I think that surrender is the mark of a master, like being able to let go and rely on your sense of self, your sense of your edge, your sense of what's possible. Um, I, I think that's the mark of a master. So I'm not saying I'm just saying, but um, I've, I've, I've been a fan of your work for a long time. And if people listening don't know, you mentioned the Who who Run the World music video, yeah. um, but you also choreographed the Billboard performance for that song, which I yeah. think everyone will remember or recognize <laughs> as the moment with the LED screens behind her. Les Twins yeah. were a part of that per yeah. performance. A hundred, yes. how many? A hundred? How many hundred, hundred. people? There were, a hundred that girls. Was, that was a hundred, yeah. Um, and it was so undeniable. It was just undeniable. It was a powerful moment, so uh. undeniable. Um, I am wondering, because that was early on, relatively, yeah. in your career with her, in, in relationship yeah. with her, um, and in your choreographer career. So I'm wondering yeah. if you could pinpoint like the biggest lesson learned from that project. Oh my gosh, there's so many, so many things that I take into every job that I do now as a choreographer mm -hmm. stem from my time with Beyonce specifically. I will mm -hmm. always credit my time with her and Frank Gatson specifically because Run the World was my first music video that I ever choreographed. Mm -hmm. That Billboard performance was the first time I'd ever even been to an award show, let alone work on one. Mm -hmm. Then um, her concerts and her tour after that, that was my first time doing a concert. Mm -hmm. It was my first time doing- A lot of firsts, a lot, a lot of, of big firsts lessons. were with her, mm -hmm. yes. And so what I really take with her, take from being with her is being flexible, Mm. And I mean, in every aspect, I was the type of dancer and choreographer where I was just married to the step. Mm. If that's the step I'm taught, that's the step it is. <laughs> <laughs> but then she would put, we would be in the middle of me teaching the step and she would be like, mm, let's try something different right here. She would think, and mm. this happened by accident. She would think, okay, let's take a break. Let's go 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, figure something out and then come back. I would change it on the spot. I would, mm. But that came out of being ner that came out of being nervous. I was mm. like, "Oh, she hated what I did." Okay, try this, mm. and she would be like, "How did you just come up with that?" She literally said, "I love how you just change something on the spot. It doesn't mm. even take time." I didn't think that. I've never told her this, but I was like, "Girl, that came from me being scared of you and scared of losing my job." It, like this, <laughs> this, this need to like deliver in the moment, or else you'd be kicked yes. to the curb. Yes, and she was not, it wasn't like she was mean or anything. She was one of the sweetest people I've ever worked with. Mm -hmm. It was just my own neurosis. Yeah, own <laughs> yeah, and I was, I just put that pressure on myself. And so being able to be flexible within the step, I, from now on, from then on, I've never been afraid to like change a step if the moment calls for it. If I come in the next day and I'm like, I don't like what we did yesterday. I mean, I won't change a whole number. I won't. <laughs> ruin the kids because you remember <laughs> what that feels like probably right right <laughs> you know, i will never there. do that yes mm -hmm. but i'll be like oh let's try this different eight count here or something like that i take that with me and just being kind i really and being kind but being stern she says exactly what she wants hmm. and she'll say exactly what she needs specifically like to the detail 
Mm. And she'll say it with so much love and she'll say it with so much calmness. Mm. And I took that with me as well. And I've been out of that. It also spoiled me because I got to be, (laughs) that was my first. So mm-hmm. then I'm going into all these other rooms with other people where their process may not be the exact same, mm-hmm. but I would, I would take that and apply it to the situation. And it mm-hmm. brings a certain bit of tranquility to mm-hmm. people who may be a bit more um, high strung or may be a bit more nervous or may be really protective of their art. Mm. And they really appreciate having that energy where it's not, you know, how dogs feed off each other's energy or feed off the energy in the room. So like if the energy goes up and then the energy of that person goes up or if the energy gets nervous, the energy of that person gets nervous. But I've been able to really go in and be like, you know what, let's just be, remember we're human. And let's just have fun in the moment. This moment is fleeting. It will Mm -hmm. never have this moment again. So let's just enjoy where we are. Mm. So I've, I've really taken that. That's that's tremendous and such a good reminder, too, because it can become work first in those yes. environments, because usually you have time restraints, money restraints, all the restraints, which are helpful <laughs> creatively sometimes. But humans first is a great way to be compassionate. Yes. <laughs> and when I'm when I'm compassionate, when I'm human first, my creative tap flows stronger. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think. For me, anyways, those are the type of rooms I love being in, and yes. I, I, I definitely flourish in that type of environment. So that's that's yeah. interesting to hear. But yeah, they're not all that way. <laughs> and I, I really try to protect that energy as well. I want to always be in a rehearsal room where we can like cackle. Mm. I want to have so much fun and party, and like if we're not smiling at each other, or if we don't end up coming up with like a secret look and we just try to hold each other back from laughing i don't want it (laughs) okay that's it i want to be in the room i want to be there i want to be there so bad um okay so i don't know how much you're able to say about the room that you're in right now about your six days a week slog on devil wears prada um no spoilers don't 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 ruin anything for me but what are you learning right now surely you're experience with this is must be different than you know concert tours or maybe not actually I don't know I've never I've never choreographed a Broadway show (laughs) well same (laughs) right right okay (laughs) um well what I'm learning most um which I thought I was really good at but Mm -hmm. I realized how I was um how I was indoctrinated in us in the commercial world to really just go full blast Mm -hmm. but what I'm learning in this room is to have patience it is okay if you don't fully finish a number by the end of the day (laughs) (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I'm going in here with this mentality like you know sometimes you have one day rehearsal for a music video that's going to live on that immortalizes you to a certain extent because it's going to live on past when we're no longer here Mm-hmm. So we get in this room where we just rush to finish in the commercial world, or especially in television. Oh my God, television is so quick. You just have to pop out stuff so at the fast. drop of a dime. And with Broadway, you get to, like, they, in 20, I've been with the show now for three years. And in 2019, they gave us two weeks to have just a choreography workshop for a show that they didn't even have an opening night. <laughs> And then we got another two week workshop after that. And then we've had three more 
choreography workshop since then. And then we go into a lab with the full company where you're in there with the director and the actors and the script mm-hmm. and, the, and the book writer and the lyricist. And it's just amazing how, yet again, it really tapped me back into living in the moment mm-hmm. and having that patience of being like, take the pressure off yourself, girl. Calm mm. down. Because <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. it comes That's from the you. Thing. Yes. Your ideas about what about expectations, about deadlines, about time, about possibility. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I, I love that because it flows over into the company. And then mm-hmm. they get to like ease themselves a bit and they get to receive the information better. As opposed to me being like, okay, try this eight count, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, next number. Try this. I'm like, oh wait, I have time to like actually finagle this and mold it to how it mm-hmm. should be so mm. i'm really thankful yeah. for that i have tried to make good habit for myself and for people that i work with to do self-evaluations after every project mm-hmm. like Ooh. what went well what didn't go well or what would i do differently and there was a time actually on in the heights chris scott asked us all the time what did you learn today what did you learn today and that's become, I have a little, like, Chris on my shoulder that asks me that all the time. And I'm always, yeah. like, I love tuning into that. But I every time I go through this process with someone else, like, what would you do differently? Almost mm-hmm. always the answer is more time. Yeah. More time. I just, yeah. would, I just would play longer. I would rehearse longer. I would lab longer. I would workshop longer. Yes. It is such a gift to have that. And no matter how much you have, you always want more. And but and to piggyback off of that, I also try. I realize that also comes from people taking advantage of our gifts because we make it look so easy, mm-hmm. and because I mess. Going back to the Beyonce moment, I messed up by changing it so quickly. So now Showing, people's yeah. choreography can happens just happen so quickly, and I'm like, oh no no no! But then we also go into these high pressure situations where we're just like, okay, well, I just. One more time, but I try to do it quickly. But if I have more time, but then if we have more time, will we do it differently? Or then if we have more time, will we say we want more time than that? You know what I mean? Right. So we catch 22. The answer is, for me anyways, it takes exactly as long as you have. (laughs) However much time you have is how long it will take. You give me more, I will use every minute of more. Um, but if I have two minutes, you'll get, you, you will probably get something that looks like it was made in two minutes. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> up, that's up to the buyer, I suppose. Do you want something that looks right. like it was crafted or do you want something right. that looks like it fell out of like my pant leg? <laughs> <laughs> you get what you get what you pay for, darling. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay, that is a perfect transition actually. I want to talk a little bit more about choreographers, our organizing. You've been a part of the steering committee meetings for Choreographers Guild, and I'm just I, I would love to know. I mean, obviously I'm excited about all of it. Credit yeah recognition, education, strength for our intellectual property. All yeah. of the, there are a lot of benefits to what come with unionizing or collective bargaining in general, but I'm yeah. curious to hear what you're most excited about for the future for choreographers. The thing I think I'm most excited about when it comes to unionizing choreographers mm-hmm. I think on the top tier level, this is going to sound so simple, but mm-hmm. it's just the respect. Yeah. It's, I feel like once we are respected in that regard, everything else falls in line once people have that respect for you. 
they will then understand that choreographers are directors. Choreographers are producers. Choreographers are cinematographers. <laughs> Choreographers are camera operators. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I think we are the most integrated department into yeah. other departments. We we touch like we must have an intimate relationship with wardrobe, with set, yes. with props, with camera, with like all of the different um I kind of I like to think that a production, whether it's stage or screen, is kind of like a car assembly. You've got yeah. like the people that do the wheels and the people that do the engine and the people that do the interior and the people that do the paint job on the outside and like yeah. all different parts. And usually we'll have different wheels on this project than we had on our last one. It's not the same yeah. people doing the wheels all the time. No it's not way. the same people doing the, the, the body. But I right. think I, that's what I would consider the choreography team to be is the body because every yeah. other every other department touches it we need we have an intimate relationship with the music department we yeah. have to understand the script and the characters we have yeah. to understand like the technical elements like how it will yeah. be lit if there will be water yeah. if there will be rigging and we have to understand the emotional beats of the of the plot its evolution yeah. and so on and so forth so of course, I think the world of choreographers, I am one. It's natural, I think, to have yeah. a self-centered view of yourself <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Um, but I love what you're doing in just simply zooming out. Like, it doesn't have to be all that intricate. Like, respect. Respect. Yeah. That's yes. it. That's what we're I going think, for here. Yes. If there's, and I'm not complaining, but mm -hmm. there's so many times where I've gone on to set and I don't have a room or a place to sit. Or a place mm -hmm. to like lay my stuff, which trickles into now I'm gonna be on my feet all day as I'm going over dance moves to mm -hmm. help somebody, you know, look great on camera. Yep. And yep. that falls into the line of respecting someone who's here making, I'm gonna just say it, doing something that everybody else clearly couldn't do because I'm here to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that That's sounds an so excellent petty. point. I think another thing I'd like to highlight the example you gave of like, not being given a room, not being given a chair, not being given a place to sit or be during off time mm -hmm. is a really good example of kind of choreographers not fitting anywhere. Like we're sometimes right. left off the call sheet. We're sometimes yes. an afterthought more or less. Mm -hmm. And that speaks really loudly on the day. Um, the sense of belonging and mm -hmm. being recognized on set is huge, but let's not forget also the after effect which is when yeah. those credits roll we're also an afterthought a lot of times if you consider where that choreographer falls in the credits or doesn't fall at all yeah. in worst yeah. cases um so we're working on that and i'm so hopeful yeah. i feel really really energized by the efforts of you and all the steering committee members i will certainly yeah. be talking about that at length in yeah. uh, episodes to come. Um, so stay yeah. tuned for more on Choreographers Guild. Um, so thank you for weighing in on that. I'm, yeah. I'm also excited and hopeful to have a place to sit and put my Yeah, <laughs> literally. Oh my God. Um, okay, I wanna, I wanna wrap it up with a couple hypotheticals because I think that you would answer uh -huh. hypothetical questions really, really well. Okay, I'm gonna go pretty quickly here. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. What would you tell yourself if you got to talk to yourself 10 years ago? Hey. 
10 years ago. <clears throat> that was 2012. Oh my God. Uh, 10 years ago, I would tell myself, I would, I would congratulate myself for holding on in the midst of everybody else telling you to let it go. Mm. Everybody, nobody understood the faith and the hope that I had in my gift and what I felt like my gift could do for other people in the world. Mm -hmm. And I held on to it steadfast. I mean, mm -hmm. with our nasty old monkey grip. <laughs> <laughs> but I would congratulate myself. That sounds disgusting, but I would. I would, they were so, at every corner, at every turn, mm -hmm. there were just people who didn't understand what you have to believe in to make it as a dancer or a choreographer. Mm -hmm. Like you, you have to go through the muck mm -hmm. and I held on to it and I went through, I was in the muck 10 years ago mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I held on, on, all the way through. held on to the thing. Yes. And it mm -hmm. paid off. It paid off. I would be the angel on my shoulder, be like, you got this girl. Don't let go. Keep mm -hmm. going. Love that. <laughs> um, how about this one? If you had a million dollars right now. Would you do your work differently? Or if so, how would you do it differently if you had a million dollars? If I had a million dollars right now, I wouldn't have a million dollars because <laughs> I would give so much to my parents. <laughs> I would give so much to my parents. And then I would give so much to my nieces and nephews. Uh -huh. And then so much to my sisters and my brother. Uh -huh. Then I would probably be left with like a bit of it. <laughs> And then what I would don't, you do with which, <laughs> I would hide it from myself. Oh, <laughs> ask somebody to bury like, okay. it somewhere. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't think it would affect my work. I really don't. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I would hope not. I mm -hmm. think my mother raised me well enough mm -hmm. to hold on to my core. And mm -hmm. I've not had a million dollars and I've not had $1 to my name at some point early on in my life so I know what it's like to just I know what that fire feels like mm -hmm. and I never want to lose that fire so even if I had a million dollars then I would the fire would still be there because I would want 10 million and if I got 10 million then I would want 50 million so the fire would still be alive I hope I love that answer. Great answer. Okay final one and this is hard I somebody asked me this question recently and I really struggled with it uh -oh. stranded on a desert island you are able to bring a iPod. Is that what I always say? iPad and iPod at the at the wrong time. <laughs> Apparently, they don't make iPods anymore. But you have an iPod I and know. it has one song on it. You only oh. have one song. What is it? <laughs> oh. Okay, I can narrow it down to a person. Okay, okay. It would be one artist. Something. It would be something Janet Jackson. Well said. Well played. Well played. Wait. No. Okay. I got it. Do you have a song? Do you have a song? Yeah. I have a song. Janet Jackson. Um, Island, Island Life. It's a song called Island Life by Janet Jackson from the Janita Joe Off the Mita Joe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know it well. That is. Oh, yes. 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 Uh, so good. That'll be it. I'm Work. And very, very scene appropriate, I would say. Also, nice job. Right. Right. 
Um, all right, my friend, I will leave us on those island vibes. And I will probably link to that song also, because if people are not familiar with that song, it is such a jam. Now that it's getting uh, into summertime, that's where we want yes. to be for sure. Um, so good. I'm also going to link to more of your work. Uh, when does Devil Wears Prada premiere? Debut. We go into previews July. We go into previews July 17th in Chicago. Tickets uh -huh. are on sale now. And uh -huh. our opening night is August 7th in Chicago. We'll be in Chicago for five weeks. And then who knows when we'll be on Broadway, hopefully sooner than later. So we're still uh -huh. waiting to get the word on that. So if yep. you're in Chicago this summer, come see Double Wears Prada. All right, I will link to you and much, much more. Thank you so much, James, for being here. Yes, thank you for having me, Dana. I love you and congratulations on this. This is incredible. So, so happy for and proud of you. Go, girl. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. All right, my friend, what do you think? Did you giggle? Did you smile? I thought so. I loved the example that James gave of her nervousness showing up to help her in the moment, in the room, working with B, and how uh, this expectation she thought there was to deliver right now or else. Um, and I actually, I, I think I found particularly interesting how delivering in that way from fear and fast might actually give some people the wrong idea about choreography and how long things actually take. I think it's super healthy to examine ourselves in our process to notice what feelings are driving as we create. And sometimes that's helpful. Um, sometimes where we're creating from can be helpful and hurtful at the same time. But I think in examining that in the moment is, is awesome. The awareness to be able to do that fascinating. I love it. I also loved hearing about how James prioritizes feeling human in the process and enjoying that little side-eye, giggle, cackle from time to time. I do too. Oof. Oh, and I can 100% co-sign about the dreamy luxury of workshop time, lab time, creation station time, having the time during the creative process, paid time during the creative process to workshop. Um, the more and more I work, the more essential I find that time to be. And dang it, that time should be compensated. Always. I really do think so. Um, again, I will be talking a lot more about the, the themes and the work that the Choreographers Guild is up to. Um, in, in upcoming episodes, we're going to dig in. But in the meantime, please be sure you're following Choreographers Guild, no spaces, on Instagram and choreo underscore guild on Twitter. I will also link to James and much more of her work in the show notes to this episode. And oof, I cannot wait to see Devil Wears Prada. I'm so, so, so excited. So cool. So, so, so great. Thank you again, James. Oof, still smiling. Um, all right, my friends, that is it for me today. Go out there into the world, own your wholeness, and of course, keep it very, very funky. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. 
Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Bree Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not Words That Move Me related. (laughs) All right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you.